2: There's probably a, a balance between I believe you have to know Christ but God he's in hell. He is? And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in
1: <laughs> My mission really is to just help people of faith, especially, to re-examine this issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past. For those who are gods by faith and Son. <laughs> Corinthians, right? Two Corinthians
2: three seven victory in the name which is above every
1: name. there's no exception for rape or incest uh, it's an extreme <laughs> wall and- right now bones ligaments tendons in jesus name get out here right now <laughs> so put your trust we
0: Hey everybody, welcome back to The Master's Dog, episode 43. I am your host, The Evangelical Norm, and today we are back with uh, the Faith and Beliefs Refuting of Faith and Beliefs, the uh, segment of Saints Unscripted's podcast where they deal with beliefs and doctrine and and stuff like that and actually a lot of the stuff they've done recently is not even actually doctrine it's uh i would call it fluff uh is what i would consider it it's really just a bunch of um like the last couple episodes we've done um the witness of oliver cowdery and we did the witness of uh oh somebody else earlier on a couple weeks ago and then today we're actually going to get the witness of martin harris uh so again a lot of this stuff and so i'm gonna do something a little different uh with this episode i'm gonna do a little more teaching in here um to kind of just deal with the fact that really it doesn't matter the witness of these men um and so on so before we get into that and before we get that deep, I'm gonna go ahead and jump in and let David start uh, talking to us about the witness of Martin Harris, uh, which is gonna be very similar to the last couple, the um, witness of Oliver Cowdery and the witness of what's his name? Do 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 the witness of who was it why can I not remember the name of the third uh, witness the and of course in the, the other uh, video the description I'm trying to, to look this up over here uh, David Whitmer <laughs> oh, Wow that a lot of uh, a lot of time wasted just to come up with that name David Whitner uh, Whitmer so again today Dave is going to tell us about Martin Harris, and again, very he's going to. It's going to be almost same as the other two. Either they were out of their minds, they were deceived, or they were maybe they were telling the truth, and we'll get some funny little clips, uh, um, you know, whatever. So, with that being said, we'll let David talk, and then we'll go from there.
2: Hey guys! So at the beginning of every Book of Mormon is the testimony of the three witnesses who claimed that an angel came down from heaven and he brought and laid before our eyes that we beheld and saw the plates and the engravings thereon.
1: People don't talk that way anymore.
2: This is a big deal. This was like the biggest thing ever! Previously, Joseph had been commanded not to show the ancient Book of Mormon record to anyone. Not even Squidward's house. But suddenly, all these people are saying, yeah, they're real we've seen them what do we do with that were they crazy were they tricked or or lying or were they just telling the truth you can't handle the truth in this episode we're going to take a closer look at the witness of a man named martin harris
0: okay here we go
2: martin harris was born in 1783 when the smith family moved to palmyra new york in 1816 Martin and his family were living on their farm about three and a half miles away. He was initially skeptical of Joseph's story of having discovered the Book of Mormon plates. For example, he separately interviewed Joseph's wife and siblings about the plates, comparing details from their stories. When it came down to funding the project, he told Joseph, If it is the devil's work, I will have nothing to do with it. But if it is the Lord's, you can have all the money necessary to bring it before the world. Now, you must not blame me for not taking your word. If the Lord will show me that it is his work, you can have all the money you want. He was soon convinced of the authenticity of the Book of Mormon and donated what today would be between 70 and $80,000 for the publication. On another occasion, he swapped out the seer stone Joseph used to translate the Book of Mormon with a similar looking rock. When Joseph tried to use it, he said, Martin, what is the matter? All is as dark as Egypt. Martin came clean and said he'd swapped the stone to stop the mouths of fools. Who had told him that the prophet had learned those sentences and was merely repeating them? Martin was sometimes described as superstitious, but he was also described as shrewd in his business calculations.
1: Okay, I
0: gotta stop for just a second because, again, oh, so he changed out the stone. This was a stone that Joseph had used over and over and over again for different things. I'm pretty sure Joseph knew. That he had switched out the stone. So this is a pointless, pointless. You know, this is oh well they he did this and he did this and he did this. Pointless. Joseph knew. I'm, I'm I'm just go out on a limb and say Joseph knew he had switched out the stone, and so he played into it. All there is to it. He switched out I mean, it's a rock. It's a freaking here's here's what the basis of their religion is is sitting on somebody reading words off of a rock. Nothing in Christianity is even nearly that ridiculous. We have manuscripts which have been translated which have been corroborated and we have the word of God that we read today. They are basing their eternal salvation on A dude reading words off a rock. But they saw the plates.
2: And frugal in his habits. Very wary of the lingering possibility of being conned, you can sense the relief he felt after he saw the plates as he cried out, "'Tis enough mine eyes have beheld." Lucy Smith remembered Martin seemed almost overcome with joy and testified boldly to what he had both seen and heard. And Martin gave that same bold testimony throughout the rest of his life, even after being separated from the church for many decades. Before returning to the church in 1870, Martin affiliated himself with a few different Latter-day Saint splinter groups, the common factor in them all clearly being the Book of Mormon. Even through a quasi-committed stint with the Shakers, he stuck to his testimony. Out of all the witnesses, though, Martin clearly gets the most flack from critics. Oliver Cowdery became a well-respected lawyer, David Whitmer was a mayor for a time, but Martin was just a farmer. A very successful farmer, but a farmer. He wasn't exceptionally educated, and he didn't leave behind much first-hand information for anyone. But people both inside and outside the church considered Martin to be honest and upright, so instead of contesting his honesty, most skeptics today contest his sanity, or his grip on reality, in order to cast doubt on his credibility. For example, you might come across vaguely sourced quotes about Martin supposedly talking with Christ, who was in the form of a deer. Deer!
1: No, I'm sorry, it's just the enormous cataract in my left
2: eye. Or him seeing Christ on a roof beam. What critics probably won't highlight is that both those claims, at least, come from late, third-hand, hostile sources, which means we have to approach them with extreme caution historians don't exactly consider late third-hand hostile sources to be the pinnacle of reliability.
0: That is a lot of fake news back there. That's a lot.
2: A couple of sources, second and third-hand sources, suggest Martin only saw the plates with a spiritual eye, suggesting he really only imagined seeing the plates. I'll let David Whitmer answer that claim. He said, Of course we were in the spirit when we had the view, for no man can behold the face of an angel except in a spiritual view, but we were in the body also and everything around us was as natural to us as it is at any time. Martin Harris, you say, called it being in vision. We read in the scriptures, Cornelius saw, in a vision, an angel of God. Daniel saw an angel in a vision. Also in other places it states they saw an angel in the spirit. A bright light enveloped us where we were that filled the woods as at noonday, and there in a vision, or in the spirit, we saw and heard just as it is stated in my testimony in the Book of Mormon.
0: Okay. So now we have another basis we have. We have a solid foundation basis for deception. The word of God, the Bible says that Satan uh, disguises himself as an angel of light. So whether these guys were deceived or whatever, that they did not see physical plates. This I mean, both of these guys have now said, of course, we were in the spirit. We saw a vision. Well, okay, you're in the physical, but you're also in a vision. You've got an angel bringing you these plates. So you didn't see physical plates. You didn't see the actual plates that Joseph supposedly had. You saw an angel bringing these. Why did an angel have to bring them when Joseph had possession of them? Let's think about that. Let's, let's carry that through. Supposedly, Joseph had possession of them until he was done, and then he gave them back. But yet, they had to go into the wood and have an angel bring them to them. So did Joseph go out into the wood first, give them back to the angel so the angel could bring them? Think about it. Again, this is, this is not, and, it, and we're gonna get to the point where it does. it's meaningless anyway. It doesn't matter at all. And I'll explain that to you here when David finishes.
2: And we'd also be remiss to ignore the countless other sources that make it very clear that Martin saw the plates and the angel with his real physical eyes. So, did Martin actually see the plates, or was he crazy? Were all the other corroborating witnesses crazy too, or or were they lying? Or can we shrug it all off as a product of mass hallucination, or hypnosis, as some renowned critics believe?
1: And they're certainly not showing any signs that they are slowing!
2: Or could it be possible that Martin was just telling the truth? you
0: okay so again we also have the the possibility of a complete it's conspira it's conspiracy but a complete corroboration a plan to deceive now again we have a difference we have an, an, an amazing difference none of these men who were the witnesses of the Book of Mormon were put in a place where their life was in danger tell us whether you saw them or die the apostles all went to their death proclaiming the truth of Christ these men may have well have come together fabricated a lie and ran with it Scientology exists based off of ridiculous notions and so on and hundreds of thousands of people are deceived by it so again you say you one in one breath you're saying they saw it with they saw it with the their in a vision the next breath you're saying they saw it with their physical eyes well make up your mind which is it of course we had to be in the spirit well then you were in the spirit but we saw him with our physical well make up your mind the two don't go together they do not you have conflicting statements by the witnesses themselves But again, it it, it doesn't matter at all. Um, I'm gonna see if he has anything more interesting to say and then we're gonna get into why it doesn't matter at all.
2: I've heard something about Martin that I haven't addressed here. Please check out the article on our website where I more specifically address several other interesting quotes. Also check out our episodes on the other two of the three witnesses and enjoy this little montage of statements about Martin's witness. Feel free to pause and read as many as you'd like.
0: I'll let these play through. So if you like to pause and read any of them, feel free to do so. Uh, The last couple, I think I've cut them off, which gives them the opportunity to say I didn't give you everything that you could bet. So I'm going to let these go through, blah, blah, blah. Okay, we are done and so here's why none of this matters it doesn't make a difference how many people saw the golden plates or claim they saw the golden plates or had a vision of the golden plates or any of the things that we've talked about over the last few weeks anachronisms that are being disproven in the book of mormon and so on the bottom line is the book of mormon is pointless it it from an apologetic standpoint and an evangelistic standpoint, I don't care about the Book of Mormon. I mean, we talked about it with other people who I know who are former Mormons and will say that the Book of Mormon is a great work of Christian fiction. There's a lot of, I mean, absolute plagiarized portions of the Bible within it. There are some interesting Christian notions within it. I mean, it it truly is uh, Trinitarian. Uh, many of the things that fall in line with mainstream Orthodox Christianity, and much of which does not fall in with what the Mormon church teaches. But here's why it doesn't matter. Because it's, the bottom line is that the, the Book of Mormon is not the foundation of the Mormon church, or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Joseph Smith and his prophetic and his teachings and the doctrines that's what is the, the foundation and the basis. The Book of Mormon is just an extra book of, of scripture, like the Doctrine and Covenants and so on. True or not or whatever, it, it it's meaningless. Here's the bottom line. Here is what makes Mormonism a false religion and a dangerous religion. And a religion that we need to preach against because it does not offer salvation those who follow after its tenets if they if, if, if a person dies believing in the basic doctrines and teachings of Mormonism they don't have the true Christ they don't have a true gospel and those people will die and go to hell I'll let that statement sit for a minute because it's very weighty and it's very true and people do not like it. And, but it is true. And let me lay it out to you. So I'm going to give you from the word of God. We're going to read from God's word. And then I'm going to teach and I'm going to show you how God's word absolutely refutes all of the, the major teachings of the Book of Mormon. So we're going to start in uh, John chapter one. This is the, uh, this is the word of the living God. But came to bear witness about the light, the true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. This was he of whom was said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Now I want to pray before I go any further into this. God, thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the, the preservation of, of what you have revealed to the world through your word. I ask you uh, that you would uh, give me wisdom to, to teach these things um, and be glorified in the teaching of your word. And it's in your name we pray, Lord. Amen. So um, jumping past this real quick, and I'm going to come back to the beginning. So in the beginning was the word. Okay, so starting out here, we have in the beginning, we have a timeline. We have an absolute acknowledgement. And, and let's first, let's, let's just get to the point of who the Word was. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We get to verse 14, um, and it says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. John is talking about Jesus. Right here, he's talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Word, the Logos um the the Word of God. in the beginning was the word. Jesus was in the beginning. This tears out any any issue of one pre-existence and two uh, eternal progression, or as we would be looking at it right now, regression. There is a beginning point in time. And in the begin in that beginning point was Jesus. There was nothing that was before him. there were no gods before him he had no no grandfather no i mean he had we we recognized God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. so I can't say he had no father, but he had no producing father. Jesus is not created he's not a created being. God the Father and God the Son are a hierarchical um I'm trying to think of the, the word. I, I think economic is, is a word that's, that's generally used. But this is not a, a familial um, situation. This is not a creator creation. This is not a, a sire and offspring situation. Jesus was not born of God. Jesus has always existed. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So when time began, Jesus was there, God the Father was there. They were one God. They were united, triune, because the Spirit was also God. We can get into that later, but there was no God before him. We see it in Isaiah. We see it in many other places throughout Scripture that God makes it clear. There's no God before him. He knows not one. And now we have, we have between Genesis and here, we have a specific beginning of time. And at that beginning of time, God was. So there was nothing before that. The, I, I want to say David Guzik or somebody uses the terminology, um, and I think he, he this is in the Hebrew word that in the beginning was before the vanishing point, or at the vanishing point. Time as we, we, we measure time going in reverse, there is a point where time, because where time began that there was no time before that would be the vanishing point and there's nothing beyond that there's no heavenly grandfather and no god before him and no god before him and no god before him there's no eternal progression or regression of gods there's one god god the father god the son god the holy spirit one god three persons specifically uh revealed in each of their natures and Jesus was the one who was made flesh, God incarnate. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. God the Father does not have flesh and bone. God the Spirit does not have flesh and bone. They are both spirit. And no, Kwaku that doesn't mean they are a non existent thing. Spirit is a real thing. It's just otherly than um, it's not a no thing. It's not a, an abstract. It is an something other than what we are here. And so this is very clear. This, this takes out any teaching of a pre-existence or eternal progression or regression of God's. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is, again, we see the, the, the teaching the word Trinity, no, it does not appear anywhere in the Bible, but we see the teachings of what the Trinity is. We see that in the beginning was a word. The word was with God. Jesus was with God. The word was God. Jesus is God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, again, this is a, this is a theological statement in the fact that everything in existence everything in the universe everything in the galaxies solar systems everything that that any telescope can see and far beyond that was created by Christ everything that was made was made by him what are those things that are not made god the father god the son god the spirit those things are not made so though no, they were not made by him they they just were Again, that's another deep theological conversation that we can get into an, at another time. But this is a very clear teaching that they are not three completely separate individual beings. You know, one God, three persons, not individual, not, and definitely not father, sire, and offspring. Jesus is God. He was not created by God, he was not born of God, he's always been God. And God the Father has always been God. God the Spirit has always been God. Together as one triune God. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now again, this is this is now now this is being written in John's time, but this is a, a good principle statement for us. No apostasy. There's not been any great apostasy. Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. But yet the Mormons have to got to, to convince you that at some point in time, in some way and somehow, the gates of hell for at least a time did prevail because that church had to disappear. There's all kinds of issues that, that you can get into with, with Mormon teachings about John. Some Mormon, Mormons have taught uh, that John never died. Well, if there was a complete apostasy and John never died, does that mean that John apostatized? Um, they also, that the three Nephites, um, that are talked about in the book of Mormon that supposedly live on. I've heard stories about encounters with the, the three Nephites for my whole life, um, different stories of different people encountering three men, three old men and and blah, blah, blah. But the three Nephites are that's a great folklore story in Mormonism. But if there was a great apostasy, that would mean those guys had to apostatized as well. Did they did the three Nephites apostatize? And if that's the case, if they never died and, and John never died, why did angels have to come? And, and again, so, Supposedly, the angels of John the Baptist came, and then I believe that uh, Peter, Paul, or Peter, um, John, and is Andrew, or, or th- another three, came and, and gave the ironic priesthood to Joseph and Oliver. Supposedly, so now if John never died, how how was he also an angel? So I mean, that's just that's a rabbit trail in and of itself. But again. There is no apostasy. Jesus has said that his church would endure that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Now, whether or not there have been periods of, of incorrect doctrine, I mean, the Catholic church has has went off the rails of orthodoxy and Martin Luther and the men who were involved in the Protestant reformation brought back accurate doctrinal teaching where the Catholic church had gone off the rails and Many times, many people and different teachers have gone off, you know, outside of orthodoxy, um, heterodox, if you would, um, or absolutely heretical. Um, have gone off, but the church has always endured. The word has always endured. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light. But he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world. The world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. Again, another statement of making it clear that Jesus is the one who created the world. Everything that was made that has been made was made by him. Um, Now, I know that in the temple ceremony and stuff, it's supposedly Jesus and Michael go down and organize the matter into the world. They didn't even create it. They organized it, which is another just false teaching. But Jesus didn't just organize and he didn't have Michael and it wasn't. He created all of it. He is the creator God. And he's been the creator God since the beginning of times. No took God before him. No God will exist after him. He is the one. And he came into the world. And he came into the world for a specific reason. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now this refutes another uh, Another core teaching of Mormonism that we are all automatically children of God, that we like Jesus, according to Mormonism, have a sire offspring relationship with God, the father, and whether it's one or many uh, heavenly mothers, they had sex or whatever they do too. I mean, I'll, I'll give that, that maybe it's not, maybe there's another way that they procreate spirit children who pre-exist and who come down to live in human bodies. This is the teaching of the Mormon church. This refutes that. And again, other places where Jesus says to the Pharisees, you know, you are children of your father, the devil. He calls them children of wrath many times, Um, calls them children of the devil and so on. Those who believed on his name, believed in his name, he gave the right to become now, if Jesus is going to give us the right to become children of God, it means that we were not his children to begin with. We have to become. Become. It is a changing of natures. It is a changing from one, one place to another, from one identity to another. We we have not always been God's children. We are, we are adopted. We are, by the spirit of adoption, we say, Abba, Father. And so... That's what Christ has done. He came to, again, pay the penalty for the sin of all mankind, that who would believe in him, that God would draw to himself, that God would give to Christ, would be given the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Again, this this actually kind of refutes the whole free agency thing. God chooses. It is by God's will who is saved, who give give the right to become children of God, who are born, reborn, born again as children of God, not of blood. It's not a, a, a line, you know, just because your parents were Christian doesn't mean you are a Christian, nor of the will of the flesh. It's not by my choice, nor of the will of any man. I mean, my flesh would never choose God and no other man can choose to say you, you know, no prophet, no, uh, Pope can say you are, or you are not. No one at any point in time can give absolution without repentance, faith, and those are gifts from God. It is God's will of those that he gives to Christ and draws to himself (laughs) And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, here we have where where Jesus becomes God, Emmanuel, God with us, God incarnate, the incarnation, the birth, the virgin birth where Jesus took on his body of flesh and lived his human life. We have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Again, John is saying John was born first. John is the older of the two cousins. John is Jesus's cousin. We know that Elizabeth was already pregnant with him for some time because she felt him leap in her womb when Mary came in pregnant with Jesus. And so he was probably four months in, somewhere in there, um, through her, her pregnancy. So John was born first. And he says, because he was before me. Again, John is acknowledging the Godhood of who Jesus is, that he existed before Christ, that Christ existed before John, and he's existed for all time. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. Well, let's stop here because again, this is, this is talking about how the gospel is. The gospel is given. The salvation comes by grace through faith alone, by grace alone, through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. There is absolutely no work that you can do that can save you. And there's really nothing you can do once you're saved that can take that away from you. We are not saved by any work. We are saved by grace. And we are not sustained in our salvation by any work. We are. We are saved by grace. We are sustained by grace. And we are ultimately going to be glorified by the grace of God alone. And there's no work. There's nothing that we have to do. Baptism doesn't do it uh vicarious works for people in the temple don't do it temple ceremonies and endowments and and any of those things none of those things keep us in any kind of salvation or add to or take away from any salvation that we have the only salvation that we are given is through the work of christ and christ alone and nothing else no one has ever seen god the only god who is at the father's side he has No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. Now again, we have this statement that no one has ever seen God, indicating God the Father. The only God who is at the Father's side, (laughs) Jesus, the only God, Jesus, is at the Father's side. And he is referred to as the only God who is at the Father's side. So again, there's not more than one God that is one God. There's the Father, the Son, and the Spirit has made him known. Jesus has made him known. There's a great, and I'll, I may deal with it in a different time. I'm not going to do it now, but there's a, a great uh, um, teaching, I guess is the best thing I can call it, talking about taking time and uh, God and com- making and taking two statements and, and exchanging the words time, future, past, past. Pre- future present and past with god father son and spirit and it's it's an amazing thing to look at uh the similarities and like anything else any analogy when dealing with god ultimately breaks down at some point in time but that is a great follows any kind of logic better than any other uh, illustration for the trinity that i can think of uh, shamrocks and eggs and whatnot so, but Jesus has made him known. So, you have all these things that the Mormon church has taught that God had a God before him and had a Father before him, who had a Father before him, who had, had a Father before him. And we don't know where that stopped. We don't know who, where the original was, because there had to be one, because you can't have an eternal regression. Energy doesn't work like that. And we would have nothing now if gods and and time and space existed eternally in the past everything would be gone at this point Um, so you don't have that possibility there is only one god it has made very clear and so ultimately what what it comes down to is nothing that this man taught is valid christianity so I don't care how many people say or claim or I mean I can't go interrogate Martin Harris Oliver Cowdery or any of those men now. It's too late. So whether or not their statements are true false or, false or otherwise is a pointless argument that takes drags you off into the weeds that takes you away from the true argument and the true discussion that needs to happen and that is how who is God? What is his nature? and how are we saved because when you come down to that there is the what the mormons teach and what christians teach and what the word of god teaches and what the bible teaches are diametrically opposed and the two cannot now i will admit they could both be wrong but they cannot both be right one or the other is either one is right or the other is right or they're both wrong um but they can't both be right. And that's where the investigation has to happen. And that's where people truly need to look into. I've just given you a, a amazing section of John, the Gospel of John, the very beginning of it. And it goes on and on. for, and, and it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper into who God is and who Christ is and how Christ saved us and all of it contradicts everything that this false prophet taught. And so again, I would say to my Mormon friends, run. Don't stay in it because of your family. Don't stay in it because of, of a culture or, or definitely don't stay in it because of a feeling. Because you prayed about it and you had a burning in the bosom or whatever else. no. The evidence is there. The word of God absolutely refutes the lies that this man taught. And if you follow after, and, and believe me, the, the weight of this statement, you have no idea what it means to me right now. But if you go to your grave believing the things that this man taught, you will close your eyes in this way in this place and you will open your eyes standing before the maker and creator of the universe and he will say depart from me you and you may say to him lord lord did we not do these things in your name and he will say to you depart from me you worker of iniquity i never knew you because if you're following after a false christ a false gospel a false god by a false prophet there is no salvation there is no power to save in those things christian learn this know this and preach this gospel at all times absolutely use words because they are necessary until next time soli deo gloria Mm.